0: See me you can't tell on these CDs what, bro, I need deep in it. I'm waiting in my weakness, he may be deep in I be lying through my teeth to say I don't reason it. Even as I read these lines, I'm close to tears. My body ain't been working right for seven years. Miss me with that, keep your chin up, try to smile. Bro, I'm 26, I should feel better by a mile. Keep all your anecdotes do some cute quotes. I'll pass on cliches for true hope what up what up what is going on today it's your boy daydran
1: and your boy steven
0: and this is the
1: couch potato podcast
0: episode 27 really yep 26 was last week (laughs) and today's 27 (laughs) Mm. um how you been man
1: I've been great, man. Sorry about being AWOL last week, but adulthood had the case of the gimmies. And I promise you, if they would have told us about what adulthood was when we were younger, I wouldn't have rushed to get to this point in my life. I would have, you know, lollygagged a little more. <laughs> right. Try to, try
0: to stay a, a child or a kid as long as I could. hmm I remember telling our parents, we used to be like, man, I can't wait till I'm grown. No, mm-hmm. I can wait. <laughs> I can definitely wait till I'm grown. So much to talk about today. Um, Steph Curry, you know, I don't know what he's drinking or what or what he's cooking over there, but uh, he's been hot the last week and some change. Talk about, you know, Javon Climax going to the Browns. Um, a lot of stuff also with this Derek Chauvin trial. The uh, the jurors are. Deciding if he's going to be guilty or not guilty. So much other stuff. Um, Also, rest in peace to Black Rob. Who Whoa. All, you know, yeah, who I don't yeah, know who Black Rob is, came up with the song, Whoa. And then, you know, us Texas boys come up with that, Man! Yup. So, this past Sunday, um, had my son's dedication or christening, however you want to call it. Uh, basically, what the dedication is, if you read your Bible, um, when Samuel was born, um, when Samuel was born, his parents dedicated him back to God, and that's usually kind of what happens. And God blessed Samuel's life so many ways. Um, so that's that's what happened. And I ain't even gonna front. Your boy was crying. It's come out that. I had some I had some Randall tears going on. Yeah, it's all good. I ain't mad. I mean, men cry. And it's it's not a sign of weakness either.
1: Hallelujah.
0: I just wish more people, more men, understood that. It'll
1: get, it'll get there soon.
0: Oh, and oh, I should, I should have mentioned this, but it's something we can talk about next week. Unlearning something we've been taught, or unlearning tradition.
1: See, that, that has to be a whole conversation within itself next week That has to be a whole thing by itself yeah. It's a lot of traditions we have to unlearn
0: right. A lot oh. And and I'm going to have Bible back up my claim Eep. Won't he do it Alright So, Derek Chauvin The police officer Who had his neck
1: Former police officer, say it right
0: Correction. Former police officer who had his neck on George Floyd and the jurors now, they've done their closing arguments and now the jurors are deciding his fate. Um, I don't know how to feel yet, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know, like, I have to wait till it comes out in order to say how I feel. Obviously, if he's he's guilty, if the jurors say that he's guilty, what is the sentence gonna be? If he's not guilty, well, there's probably
1: going to be a civil war in the United States. To be honest, I think the country's progression is too far for that. If it is a civil war, it's going to be a lot of progressives versus a small amount of conservatives. I mean, pretty much everybody who went to the resurrection, insurrection of the Capitol is probably about everybody in the country. And then the rest of the 70 million people in the country is going to really fight against that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: so the judge in the, in the trial uh, comes out and says that the defense may be able to appeal after the comments by Maxine Waters. So basically what Maxine Waters says and I'm just summing it up that people who are protesting need to be she said they need to be more aggressive with their protests. Um, And by being aggressive it can be taken two ways. It could be the Malcolm X aggressive or the Martin Luther King aggressive um, what I mean by that is Malcolm X before he got killed was of this mindset of an eye for an eye so if you kill one of my people we are gonna come back for yours but Martin, Martin Luther the King was more of the mindset of you know being peaceful about it Mm-hmm. so
1: but we can't be peaceful about it an anymore yeah really. because
0: we're tired Clearly, we're tired. So, um, that, that's our take. Um, also, the brother of George Floyd is telling people not to riot. But yet, at the same time, he has no control over people, right? So, people are going to do what they want to do, no matter where they are.
1: You know, that's like a flagging strategy, and police do it all the time. When it seems like a case may be in their favor, and they know that folks going to hit the streets. So they want the family to appeal to the masses so they don't do nothing stupid and make them have to work. But the end result is somebody has to be the sacrificial lamb in a situation. And technically, folk are understanding the power of minorities now. And and, you, and when I say that, I mean, most of the colonizers are seeing like you look at this election. You know, you have a Republican governor, but you have two Democratic Senate seats. So when you see how the process is, you see that progression. is It ain't done a lot, but it's ticking it forward. And if one thing I know for sure, if Chauvin is found guilty, it's going to send a ring around the country that you too, as an officer, will be held accountable for your actions. And they'll be, more, they'll be more likely to know how to engage instead of being so fearful. Because I think most of the time when these shootings happen, they are already afraid. And they already have something on
0: their mind. Yeah. Um, and also, Ben Crump said it best also. How is it that blacks can, let's just say, well, whether they did it or didn't do it, go into a court, and be already guilty before a judge has even decided or the jurors have already decided. And try to throw the book at them. But this white officer, Caucasian, whatever you want to call him, um, colonizer, um, this cop, former cop, goes in, you know, goes in here and let's not make it too hard for him. Or anybody that's of the of the pale complexion. Let's 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 not make it too hard for them. Because they have their whole lives ahead of them. Well, so do blacks. And saying that we were young and stupid is not a get out of jail free card. Just saying. So, Steve, I'm gonna ask you this question. What
1: do you think will happen if Chauvin is found not guilty? A lot of people are gonna claim they're gonna blow up the streets and everything, but um and a lot of people claim BLM is gonna happen on my end, because I wanna up there and say I give an idea of if he's found not guilty. Or if he's found uh if he's found not guilty, but I can't the court system, everything is against this guy. I'm just waiting on how long they're going to send this guy. But on the far hypothetical, if he is found now guilty of the situation, I know, I I know personally that the mayor is not, the mayor of uh, Minneapolis is not going to care what happens to his city because he already vocally put it out there that it was wrong. And, he is not telling nobody to stop what they're doing. He's not telling nobody to stop tearing up the city. He says, folks are going to keep doing this until right is right. And you think I'm going to jump in and intervene and tell them to stop? No. That was wrong, which I did. So guess what? If folks are attacking you, no, I'm not creating any legislation to protect you. No, I'm not going to mess with your unions. You're going to have to learn for yourself to stop doing it. And this is a white guy doing all this, and I'm like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" <laughs> so when you realize white people are tired of white people stuff, and they let stuff like this happen because they ransacked two police precincts when the trial began, and he did not come on the microphone at all and say, "Hey, guys, you need to stop." No, it was it, it was the it was Minnesota's governor. They had to say something. The mayor was like, uh, "Y'all do what y'all need to do." But in essence. I really think he's he's gonna be found guilty. My thing is on the sentence. but it, on the on the one percent chance that he's if he's not found guilty, oh prepare for some more buildings to get burned. and the mayor ain't gonna do
0: nothing. Yeah, um, it's gonna be a lot of like, what else more do we need to prove that that there's an injustice that's going on. And that, you know, like people are gonna start retaliating on the police officers, and then you're gonna have this this war that's going on that all could have been avoided. And like, and then not even on top of that, the the, the jurors, like the the jurors uh, don't don't even matter what color they are, but their lives gonna be at stake because you let a guilty man walk free. You know, like it's, we as black people, and I'm not speaking for all Americans, I'm only speaking for myself and my family, Molly Karam, that all I can do is protect my family at every uh, facet. Like, I'm not gonna say I don't have respect for police officers, but I will say that if a police officer is doing something wrong, and you know this is and you know that it's wrong, and you're okay with it, then shame on you. That that's that is the number one reason why I will never ever become a police officer. Because of if I said police officer doing something wrong, hey, that ain't right. I'm gonna report you well, we're supposed to have a brotherhood. No. Nope. But Trevor Noah said something that made perfect sense. Trevor Noah, Said that there are good apples that are on a rotten, rotten tree. The p- police departments are rotten,
1: and as as they're supposed to be.
0: And and yet there are some good apples. But you ever notice how there are no police officers coming out and speaking on this because they're protecting each other. But hold on, but we'll wait, but as soon as someone kills a cop. Oh, they're they speaking loud. This shouldn't be happening. That dude, this person's this, this person, that. Well, you can't be a police officer and be in fear of your life. Again, I'll say this, and I'm quoting Dave Chappelle, but it's true. Blue Lives Matter is not a real thing. Because guess what? When you take that uniform off, guess what? You as pale or whatever color it is you, you are. Period. So, don't hit me with the Blue lives matter. No, nope. Blue
1: lives matter is not a real thing. And another thing that hit me, I, Trevor Noah also said this because you said another point. You get up, you go apply for this job that you know you're going to be in danger. They provide you with training for said danger. And yet you still go straight for deadly force. Like you go to academies for this. They teach you to disengage first. They teach you to communicate first. But yeah, when you're out there in the field, but it's a whole different field, you should be able to read the room. Most police jobs, working as a police officer, is a psychological job. Do you have to be on your toes? Yes, yes you do. Do you have to know how to read the room? Yes, yes you do. If you see that this person that you are engaged with has not shown any signs of hostility or violence, do not approach him with hostility or violence because the energy that you're giving is going to be reciprocated. Either, either in the form of fear of them running and the run or fly, uh, fight on, on to fight you.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, it's a, it's a lot to take in. And it's like, again, blacks in America are tired. And again, I have to say this too. We're not our ancestors. We, look, and the thing is, we can't turn off being black. Can't turn it off. So, you know, again, if you're in fear of your life and you have on a uniform, hey, it's time for you to uh, change your occupations or, as I like to say, time to update their resume.
1: Scribble, scribble.
0: Right. So, kids are kids. I believe it's a one that's, I believe, is in either Arkansas or Alabama, one of the southern states. Hmm. Um... Was caught on camera feeding all the white children first, and letting the black kids wait to get their food. Needless to say, that kids of kids has been shut down. Because how is it that you got you go on to different tables now? The children are sitting together, with this white, black, whatever uh, race uh, race of children that's in there, and these children see you only giving place to these white kids first. I'm trying to understand house way. So my take is like you, you, you're trying to teach racism or you're trying to teach hate at a young age.
1: I really don't, I really don't think it's hate is subliminal division. And that fear of that division becomes hate because I see a lot of folk nowadays, I see. I can see. I see the division, and folk be raised in a certain way for so long, and then they come into the real world, and they realize that everything they've been taught has is literally broken. You are part of a broken system, and when they realize they're part of a broken system, that upsets them because the the betrayal. So they try to keep up with what they've been taught, as in respect to what they've been taught, when they should have just unlearned it anyway, which. We will go into detail about that next week.
0: Absolutely. So, like I said, that place has been shut down, and and I'll be honest, all, I mean, all the kids are kids are not run by the same person. So, people, you know, so my children have gone to different kids or kids, and it's been different people who who run it differently. The the recent one we were at, um, they had bad communication skills, so we had to leave. <laughs> I mean, just tell it like it is For our, our two youngest You know, we tell them Hey, we got milk here For for Junior And they'll call us Saying that, "Um, hey, we don't have no milk for such and such I'm like, well, did you check here? Did you check here? Oh, no, I didn't And then I'm going to say this And I'm not trying to be mean I'm not trying to be Disrespectful or hurt anybody's feelings But If you're going to have people Work at these daycares Please help them speak English. Understand it's okay to be bilingual. It's okay to, you know, speak other languages, right? But make sure they can speak English. Because if they're looking at me, staring at me with the deer in the headlights look, (laughs) that's an issue for me. Mm, No, I'm not going to do that. My daughter, oldest daughter might get me don't do that all right so question Stephen. yes and i believe this only happens in the black community why do single mothers dress their sons into the man they want and into the man they want
1: <laughs> you asked me that uh okay <laughs> i'm gonna give you the condensed version because i can go all day with this Those type of situations happen through trial and error. And I was talking to my coworkers about the development of women and they were female coworkers. And they say a female doesn't have a true sense of herself until after she's about 25. I'm like, by 25, it should be well accomplished. But looking at these girls nowadays and these young women nowadays, I see that 25, 30 is that area where they can find themselves and who they want to be. Through trial and error. And the reason why they dress their young boys to the men they want is because after all the stuff they wanted, they really ain't say wanted, but what they lusted for, they end up getting it, but it came with some messed-off side effects, you know? And now they're single. They know what they want in a man. They want to. They want an established man. So they're trying to train their son to be an established man. But you only, you only could train him uh you only can train a boy for so long because you need I really believe you need a male presence in his life, a positive male presence in his life to teach him how to be a man. But you can train him to how to treat a woman because what was being received. But the deal with the clothes like that, when I see women do that, I see that they failed and failed with certain guys and now it's coming to fruition to what they want in a man and what they want their son to be as a man. Well, I
0: don't even need to say that. So that <laughs> you know, but I, I, I agree. So, I've seen this before and I've seen how women try to dress their sons, sometimes even like some of these rappers because that's... I guess a rapper that they want for me. Um, when I see that, I'm like, I'm like, why would you dress your son like that? Like now I understand picking on him some nice clothes or dressing him a certain way. Um, but at some point when he's like seven or eight and he can kind of make a decision on what he wants to wear, um, you, you have to set that standard. Like for me, in um, in in my house, and my wife didn't agree with it at first about how I believe a woman should have a dress at least to her knees. Now, there are some instances where you have a dress or a skirt that comes above the knee. Well, have some to cover up the rest because in my mind, I'm thinking no one needs to see a uh a, get a glimpse of what's under your dress. Make them wonder, make them think. is what they say. So. That's kind of where I'm at. So with my son, you know, I'm going to dress him in the, in a the way or in the sense that, you know, he's going to be a respectable young man. Why? Because his dad is, is a respectable young man. I mean, yes, I'm still young. So that is my plan. And, and, well, I guess because I'm married, it don't matter, right? Because I'm married. Well, me and Stephen are married. So it's... It's very unfortunate because, like you know, like Stephen says, like you, you, you have this idea of the man that you want, and because you didn't get it from the man that knocked you up, you know, you want to do this to this boy who don't even. I mean, we don't even know what he's going to be. All we can do as parents, I'm speaking for all parents and guardians, whoever have children in their homes. Teach them the correct way to value themselves. So even as a woman, value yourself in, in the man that you desire. Now, that doesn't mean you go look for him. Because according to scripture, Proverbs eighteen twenty-two, He who finds a wife. Not she. But he who finds a wife. Finds a good thing. And obtains favor in the Lord. That ain't me. It's scripture. So, women, ladies, if you're listening, you should not be chasing after a man. If you are, I'm not going to say you're stupid, but it don't look good for you. That's all I got. So, moving on. Of the four actors or actresses, who do you think played the best role. I'll give you the four. Angela Bassett playing Tina Turner. Jamie Foxx playing Ray Charles. Will Smith playing Ali. And Jamal Woolard playing Bicky. Give me your thoughts.
1: Angela Bassett, Tina Turner. I'm sorry. I've seen all four of those movies. Will did a decent job. Jamie did a decent job. Your boy, Jay did a decent job. But God dang it. Angela Bassett. I don't know what... I I could watch all they movies, but I could watch What's Love Got To Do With It over and over again. And for the most part, here's my fan side coming out. I know like half the movie verbally. So <laughs> when they be talking to the Cs, I can say exactly word for word what's going to be dicks. So yeah, the uh, Best, heads down for me. <laughs> all
0: right, well, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Ah, I know you would. Well, I mean, now don't get me wrong. i watch watched all four as well, and... For me, like, I'm I'm always this person that really pays attention to a person getting into that character. Now, all of them, let me just say this for the record, all of them did phenomenal. What sets it apart for me is, I guess maybe because I'm i I'm a Will Smith fan. I
1: knew you was going to say Ali. Oh, Lord.
0: No, I mean, but trust me, it wasn't easy picking between Ali, I mean, Will Smith and Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx, Blew it out the water. I, I'm, look, I'd have been more upset if they'd have put um, Chadwick Boseman on here playing um, James Brown. I'd have really been mad.
1: Oh man, now nah, he. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, like it made. I had to watch the movie twice because James Brown history. Yeah. Like I didn't even know. I didn't even know that much was going on.
0: Right. So Will Smith because Muhammad Ali. I'm the greatest. I'm pretty. I'm a bad man. Um, but yeah, now I guess to rank them, to rank them, it would be Ali. I'm sorry, Will Smith, Angela Bassett, Jamie Foxx, and Jamal wooler That that'd be my ranking.
1: Okay, I I can I feel that because <laughs> I, I I I get where you come from on Will Smith part because to me he didn't have the look, but his arrogance and how he carried himself that was like a, a mirror image. That was like split, when it came into his acting, that was like a split image, so yeah.
0: Yeah, but Ali was only like 220. That That's, I mean, he was what, I think 6'3", about 6'2", 6'3", so I mean, I mean, it looked like he was big, but watching that, I was like, dang, like, this guy, like, like made him look bigger than what he was. But, I mean, it was a great movie. like, even, even you know Will Smith, like even even just the whole cast from that movie did really well. I thought Mario Van Peebles did really good playing Ali. Um, who else was in the movie? That um, like I mean, just you know Jamie Foxx playing.
1: Uh, oh Jamie yeah, <laughs> like, yeah.
0: You know, it it was pretty awesome to see. So, yeah. All right, moving on. So, we're going to talk more about, uh, because he wasn't here last week. It was me and my wife. So, um, because I want to get his comments about what happened with Dante Wright. And people have been dropping comments, like, just saying stuff that sounds stupid, if you ask me. I'm going to just call it like it is.
1: Um, The Dante Wright situation. I feel like this. You know the high-profile situation that's going on in this country. You know that the tension with the George Floyd situation is so thick you can cut it with a butter knife. How in the name of all that is holy, you hold your gun out and say you have a taser. You have the gun for more than 30 seconds. You feel the gun's curvature. It's different from your taste. You feel it. You are trained. 26 years on the force. You are trained. You know exactly where your sidearm at. And you know exactly where your taser at. And you have the audacity to say, whoops, I thought it was my taser. No helper, no, you didn't. You felt your gun, and then on top of that, folks not taking in in ooh, not taking into consideration, but the first thing you do as an officer, when you put your gun in your holster, you put the safety on. That's gun training
0: 101.
1: And so, lady, I, ooh. Mm. All right, let me, let, me, let
0: me take over. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so not only was she, did she have 26 years on the force, she also was training people at the time. Yes. So, and and granted, like, how Wright did have a warrant, right? But th- does everybody have a warrant deserve to be killed? No. So, even um, young man, Mr. Toledo, they say he had a gun, and all he did was turn around. And as soon as he turned around, he was shot. With his hands up, by the way. With his hands up. So... One of the comments that I saw kinda of made me laugh. And I have to say this, and this young lady's on Twitter. Don't really don't know her. But I pulled up her comment and I shared with Steven. And this is me quoting it. And I quote, Her name is Jillian Robinson. Um, she says, I can't even tell you how shook I am that Dante Wright was biracial. I have to admit that there was a twisted part of me that hoped that my son half whiteness would help keep him safer than if he was Looking fully black. Now I know he's not safe at all. End quote. So I had to say to Stephen after I read it, I, had, I read it a few times just to make sure that I was reading what I was reading. Mm-hmm. So you mean to tell me that you thought he would be safe because he was half white? Let, let, let's look at let's look at the biracial that's going on in America.
1: First of all, hold on, hold on, let me explain something. Because, folks, <clears throat> I'm not going to be long.
0: Take your time, Steven.
1: <laughs> you have to understand the dichotomy when we say biracial. See, most p- people of color can get along with each other. It only crosses the racial territory when we are with a white person. You can sit up there and date a Hispanic and you say this baby's biracial, but we won't accept it as biracial. It's just another baby of color. Same way if you date an Asian woman. You're not going to say that baby's biracial. You're just going to say that baby is of two races, a.k.a. biracial, but that baby's going to be more receptive of being one particular race. Now, when you start mating with white people and you have a biracial child, his, his whiteness, his or her whiteness, is only going to protect him for so long. And then biracial people of black and white families have more stress. In Asian cultures, if you date outside of what's name, they disown you and you're on your own. Or you got some who are very receptive in this receiving of the situation and they let it keep going. Same way with Latin cultures and other cultures. You have some that are removing themselves from you, and then you have some that accept it. But white people, if you decide to date and marry and have a child with a white person, it's always going to be that psychological trauma that comes with what white people did to our people and the misunderstanding of why are you still dealing with white people because they still are benefiting from their forefathers. That's all I have to say.
0: So with that, let's do this. So if Mariah Carey did something as it pertains to doing something that's not lawful, is going to be considered black. She's mixed, by the way. Um, Barack Obama. Oh, he's not really black. Mm. But if he did some criminal, oh, he's a black man. Mm. Tiger Woods.
1: <laughs> Don't start.
0: No, I, oh, I got a list off the <laughs> top of my head. And this is off the top of my head. Tiger Woods, when he cheated on his wife and got into the whole thing, guess
1: he, what? He, he was, was black. Blacker than black.
0: He was black. So I don't want to hear this. Oh, oh, my son, because him being half white is going to protect him than him being fully black. No, he's going to be looked at as a black man. So don't sit up there. I hate to say people are stupid or sound stupid. But
1: they did. They were.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about this young lady in particular. Ah,
1: she is.
0: In, in, in this moment, yes, like, you have to be careful with what you say. No, uh,
1: she's stupid.
0: <laughs> Molly Karen. yes, I'm coming for your throat today. Saying that 47% of women watch football. Of uh, the NFL, I should say. And you want the NFL to support you like you support the NFL. But again, how many of that 47% is in support of Deshaun Watson? We gonna come back to that. Just throwing it out there. <sighs> So, I can, I can guarantee that the numbers cut in half. So now you're looking at about 24%. So, a quarter of women that may not be supporting Deshaun Watson supports the NFL now. And if NFL is a billion dollar business, if women stop watching, I'm okay. As
1: long as the men keep buying the jerseys, they are
0: fine with that. Exactly. So, let's see, who else who else can I name that's biracial? Oh, I can name somebody else. Rui Achimura that plays for the Wizards. <laughs> he's he's half black and um I believe Korean. No, not Korean. Uh Japanese. Naomi Osaka. If if she gets into into it with the law, guess what she can be labeled as? A black woman. Don't yep. so, miss me with that. So, we're also going to talk about um, part two of this this segment with Steven because I want to get his thoughts on, you know, if Kaepernick kneeling is disrespectful, disrespecting the flag and veterans. Explain what the cop was doing, pepper spraying, and making threats to a army lieutenant.
1: Um. I saw the video. Him getting pepper sprayed. Due to the rules and regulations of your show, I cannot vehemently say what I want to say, but I'm gonna simplify it like this. He was trying to flex and show that he was better than the military. To me, I think that officer was a military reject. He got the four F card and couldn't make it, he couldn't cut it in the big boys military. So, he had some type of angst or chip on his shoulder against the U.S. military. So, when he had the opportunity to pull the guy over and prep him, he did just that. Because, look, if you watch the video, and see, I'm being very political right now, being calm about it. If you watch the video, after about the third time he got on the dude, his own partner was looking at him like, Dude, you're going too far. But did his partner intervene? No. He just sat there and let that man open the door and pepper spray. Then he told his partner to open the door. And his partner looked at him like, why? He doesn't have anything. He's not doing anything. So upon further watching that video, it shows me that even though we in the 21st century, we still haven't moved past the 18th. Yep. Uh, Yeah.
0: So... We met at Kaepernick kneeling. But this police officer, like he said, couldn't cut it in in the real man's military. So he figured, I'ma do I'm gonna do what I want or whatever. Cause I'm a cop. I'm better. And again, I've had the situation where police have stopped me. Police wrote me a ticket for placing a glass bottle on the ground. I didn't shatter it. But I placed it on the ground. And the mm-hmm. judge, yeah. I was, uh, what, 19? Like, literally, as, as I'm showing Stephen, this is what I did. And I closed my driver's side door. Police came over, gave you a ticket for putting putting your, uh, putting your the glass bottle out. So, court date comes, judge asked, asked, asked the cop, I say, uh, it was a white cop, by the way. He probably couldn't cut it either. Probably still can't. Um, he, uh, the judge asked, did did he break it? Did he, you know, did he shatter it? If he didn't shatter it, why are we in here? But uh, I just did th- that case dismissed. Dink. Ain't that something? Now I was 19, so right. Shouldn't have had an open container in the car, right? Shouldn't have, shouldn't have, shouldn't have put the glass placed it gently, like, but, you know, that's how most police officers are, they on that rotten tree, and, and the good apples ain't saying nothing, so, that kind of makes you rotten, too. Exactly. All right, so, Steven, after, you know, rest in peace to Black Rob, rest in peace to DMX, what is your favorite DMX movie and song?
1: Ooh, okay. Um. <laughs> oh lord. Um, uh, I'm not gonna lie. Billy, uh, Billy's my I love. Billy, and um. Shoot, I forgot about Billy. I was, I was naming <laughs> like we named
0: like Cradle to the Grave" and uh, "Exit Wounds" <laughs> and "From You Must Die." I, I forgot all about Billy.
1: That boy was that boy was grimy and Billy. Um and then um his his very first single um let me uh pull it up because uh it's yeah. not Ace gonna give it to you um oh talking
0: about
1: the song he did with uh Jay Z no oh it's a
0: song
1: he did uh get at me dog oh when I, when I first when I. That was i I'm not gonna lie The reason why I like this song Is because It's the only song I know word for word By any rapper Artist period And when it comes on uh, uh When he passed It mm-hmm. came on the radio And I'm in the car Going in Wife and kids Looking at me like You really know that song too I was like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah I was I was ready I was ready But yeah, yeah
0: Of course mine is What they really want From a brother That's my
1: song yeah, Everybody love that song Cause uh, it was somebody on that women's list that they dated.
0: <laughs> I, I'll be honest, I didn't I didn't date three Kims, but I I dated a few that was on that list. Uh, so yeah, and also I want to talk about this too. A lot of people are judging the life that DMX live, right? So, you know, he was on drugs, he was addicted, um, so. You know, a lot of people, church folk. So, you know, church folk are saying, giving their peace about his life and things like that. And I'm like, the only reason why you're saying something is because don't want to expose your skeletons. He, he believed in God. He, like, all of us are flawed. Every last one of us that is born into this world is flawed one way or another.
1: And, and see, what folk don't understand, like, I'm a music head. I'm a hip-hop head. Folks don't understand that DMX, some people had to make do with what was given. And he the reason why he, he, he epitomizes the dog in a lot of his songs, and he always talk about his bark and his bite, because he was a young dude who always had to fight. And it was always somebody that to betray him. And what a lot of people don't know is the reason why he was even addicted to dope is because the guy who he looked up to, he was smoking weed with him one day and he laced that stuff with that crack. And he became addicted to it ever since. He was a a functioning crackhead. But you gotta remember, those were the late 80s, early 90s where crack and coke were, 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 were were, were on the pandemic for the black community. So for him to sit up there and still try to be functional and still try to make a... Impact because you never heard DMX beat on his wife or beat on his kids. It was always a drug charge or something stupid. So the man had had fought some of his demons, and he didn't let a lot of those demons take over. He had sure he made his mistakes, but don't sit up there and make it seem like he he was just a, a, a pretty much a bad person playing it fakely. Because in every album he wrote, his final song was was really a, a, a hip-hop gospel song where he went hard. I've had three of his albums. and Each song at the end was a tribute to God, and it was a rap. And when I say it went fed, it went
0: fed. Yeah, and I can never seem to understand how people are so judgmental about what someone else is doing. And But you live in file, too. Gossip is a sin. So in case you didn't know, you can look it up. You read it, because you know we we busy, we and it's crazy. We we are the best judges of other people's lives, but we're even better lawyers of our own lives. <laughs> they don't like that.
1: I find myself not guilty.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right of all charges. Yes. Well, if you believe in God, yes, you are. You are not guilty of all charges because He covered us by the blood. Alright, so I'm going to get Steven's pr- perspective on does being in a healthy relationship involve uncomfortable
1: conversations? Yes, yes it does. <laughs>
0: Excited much?
1: Yes, I was waiting for us to get to this part um, because I wasn't here last week because
0: I had life.
1: Life don't like me. Well, forget you, life. I'm doing what I need to do. Living out my life. Um, As I get me and my wife be be married for six years, but we've been together 11 this year. And the reason why we get further is because we have those uncomfortable conversations to the point they become comfortable. And it's ideal because you have to know what your significant other is thinking. You have to understand their feelings. If you're coming in on a blank slate about a lot of things, you can't progress and you can't grow. You know, and she asked, we've been together 11 years and there have been questions where she asked me and I'm like, no, 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 you keep it, no, the way I don't want to talk about it. But as we get older and we realize, you know, I don't want to say time is limited, but we can do more with our time when we know what we want from each other. And having those uncomfortable conversations help give us the idealization of what more do we want from each other. And when that happens, you start to create a bond and an understanding of how you've grown. If you're constantly having the same conversations and you've been together six, seven, eight years, that means something on the surface, on a deeper level, hasn't been touched by neither of you, and you may have to have that conversation in full. And then once you have that conversation in full, it'll release a lot of the other questions that have been brought forth and a lot of the other doubts that have been brought forth.
0: Yeah. Um, gotta, gotta have the conversation, and in order for any relationship to evolve, we have to have conversations like, my plan is, well, not my plan, but our plan in the future, you know, with God ordering in our steps to be able to speak to people, whether it's on Zoom or in person, to have uncomfortable conversations. Whether it's racial injustice, whether it's police brutality, what, you know, a, a number of things. Like, I mean, you have to have these conversations. Like, even, even you know, ra- raising children in, Today's society, or raising children in today's culture, or even going about getting jobs—like you have to have these uncomfortable conversations—or, or or we're always going to be in this way that um, we're only going to talk about the the basic stuff. No, we have to we have to be able to have uncomfortable conversations because we will never grow if we are comfortable with being comfortable. Got to be we un- got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So let's me talk about how I met my wife, my version. <laughs> and next week, I'll, I'll give Steven the floor. I'll even play some slow jams, so he can te- so he can tell us how he met his wife. I mean, I know, but y'all don't know. <laughs> so I. Uh, this is what 2014. Yeah, 2014. Um, actually, 2013. Got out of a really bad relationship, and just like man, like searching for a wife, really searching. So, best friend of mine lives in Virginia. Was like, you know, you know, the Bible did say he who found the wife, but he never said where you should try online. I was like, never really tried online, you know. <laughs> I mean, like I've, I've seen some, I've been on some of the, the, the dating apps. Um, some of them you should stay away from plenty of fish, stay away from there.
1: Tender, stay
0: away from there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, stay away from them, but try to eat harmony because you saw the commercials. So, uh, I was like, you know what? I do eat harmony, you know, no big deal. Right. Get on there. And, you know, you you, you see prospects. You see whatever. And I saw my wife. So, I saw her and I was like, wow. That's the one. So, I viewed her profile, like she said last week. And then, I didn't get back on there. But, the thing is, it did get her attention. So, we got to talking. And, we, you know, our first date was to movies. And so... Like her one of the things that got me was her affection towards me. Um, you know, you know, I'm a I'm a handsome guy. I like to, if I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and you know, almost seven years later, which next month'll be seven years since the day we met. Oh <laughs> To say that it was easy is an understatement. We've definitely had our bumps in the road, mainly my bumps, because as a man I'm willing to say I, I may, I've made some mistakes. <laughs> so so with that being said, you know, I love my wife. She is the best decision that I've made in choosing her because, you know, and we both told each other we both had options to choose somebody else. And we chose each other for, for a reason. So, so, I told her, and I I, I jokingly tell people, I said, Aww. man, you gotta find somebody you can make pretty babies with.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I did that. Well, we did that. I'm not gonna take all the credit. But she had to push out the babies. So, yeah. That's how we met. She's she's awesome. She's awesome. And I know she didn't listen to us, so she's no... She's no that I'm going to say that she's awesome. However. <laughs> on, you have feel like that? Yeah. <laughs> no, I love my wife, she she's awesome. I'm that that however was for me to move on. So, last week, um I don't believe I touched on it. But last week, um the news were talking about um the you know, the riot that happened January sixth and how people are still suffering from PTSD from it and I was thought like hmm so they want to talk about these people the colonizers the Caucasians from the island of Caucasoid the Edomites you think Caucasoid um they want to talk about them having PTSD. But let's talk about having PTSD being black in America every day. I'm going to give Stephen the floor.
1: Bruh. <laughs> you, what have you been drinking this weekend? Because you've been on some real stuff lately. <laughs> I got to bring the noise. So, you know. Yeah, it's loud. And my ears are ringing. Like, the decibels is very high. Because, um, like, literally, me and my wife was talking about this. Like... She has some uh. Her job was majority black, and now they have two white people there, and all the black people there are like little robots doing their work and doing like the they, because they don't want to get in trouble. And I'm like, because white people are there, um, uh, maybe if you just did your job like it's supposed to and just keep to your business, you should be fine. And by you talking about the PTSD of the situation, I personally don't give white people that superiority feeling when they come to me. I'm a human just like you. You know, if you come to me loud and crazy, I'm gonna look at you real side-eyed and say, okay, is, what, what, what's the problem here? I'm not gonna get up and be like, yo, bro, I'm gonna kick your butt. Uh, no, I ain't, got, I ain't got to have all that. I don't have the energy for all that. I'm gonna let my words do all the power. And if you see that I'm working and do what I need to do, it, should, it shouldn't be no problem. But I feel like we've been beaten and downtrodden so bad it's in our genetic makeup for some of us because a lot of us ain't like our ancestors. A lot of us have inherited our ancestors' anger. I see that. And some of us still have this fear of like white people having this this cloak of superiority over us. And it's, it's not, it, they created a cloak and it's up to us to destroy it. They they create the rules. We start following the rules. Then they want to change them. We start following the changes and they want to change them again. Prime example, the election. Everybody in their greasy granny came out and voted Trump out of office. What's the first thing Georgia and Arizona do? We create laws to limit voting. But, Georgia, Florida, and Arizona have high gun rates. You're not doing anything about gun control, but you want to suppress voter registration or you want to minimize votes. Or you want to make people bored of the voting process. Or you want to make people ignore the the process of being accepted into voting. So, you know, it it, it it's it's a mind-blowing thing because yeah, we've had our of trauma, but it shouldn't be this traumatic to the point where we are still scared of white people. And that, to me, it bothers me. If you're doing what you're supposed to do and you're following the law, there's no reason for them to harass you. you know, they st- if they still harass you, you don't give them what they want. You don't feed into what they want. And then they go back leaving you feeling some type of way. That's just me. Yeah, so
0: let me give you this quick scenario. So imagine for people who are not black, or half black, or whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> so imagine, white people, you get out of bed, and this is not this is not in my house, but you have to deal with, you know, wife and children. Then once you leave out, walk out the house, you know, there's this stigma on you, whether you go to the store, people of walking away from you, or people looking at you in a sense that, that this person may rob me, or whatever, like, imagine going to work, having to deal with, I better not make a mistake, or I better not do this, like, all of these thoughts, like, everything that goes on, then, you know, you get pulled over, and you gotta make sure you're on your best behavior, you gotta make sure, even when you're on your best behavior, even when you tell police officers whatever that's going on. There are so many thoughts that goes on for blacks in America that we deal with every day. Like, how is it that a black man being in his child's life abnormal? Like, I've taken my son and my youngest daughter, well, I've taken all my children to the doctor without my wife, and this look that is like, dang, dads really do that? (laughs) Yeah. Because there are black dads, there are black fathers in that child's life. So now, make no mistake that, yeah, I am a black father, but that doesn't mean that I'm I'm this person that, that that you perceive me to be. Please believe. And I like saying this. Yes, I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. But make no mistake. If you feel like you want to cross the line, I do have a little Peter in me. I will cut your ear off. Mm. And that's that. So I don't want to hear about the PTSD that the people suffer from the Capitol. Talk, talk to me when, when white people are being oppressed, when, when white people are being shotgunned down by black cops, and there's an uproar about it. Having to walk out your house without without any fear at all, like t- talk to me when that happens. Until then, do me a favor: have several seats. Take a bench. And matter of fact, get you a book to read while, while you while you sitting there waiting. So, good news. You got any good news? Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: yes, I have great news. Talk to us. Um. Me and my wife are gonna be moving into a house soon. Hey,
0: hey! I don't
1: have no horns, to like, get
0: them horns. Bam, bam, bam,
1: bam. <laughs> um, my son is doing very well in school. Teachers keep calling me; they want to put him in gifted and talented. And I'm like, uh, we'll see. Uh, I got to have him work on his mouthpiece first, because the way he talks to people, he's he has no filter. I wonder where he get that from. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of apologize to all my friends and family because I didn't realize I was that terrible, but I did. I've I've, I've heard stories of how my mouthpiece got me, wrote me a check that my butt can cash. Um, <laughs> um, I'm oh, oh yeah. Your boy is a uh, at his job. I'm getting paid to be bilingual. Say, Hablo Espanol, Paquito. Hablo
0: Espanol.
1: So, I know a little Spanish, and um, I, I, the skills I do know, I took an assessment, and I passed it, and um, they're going mean, to be getting a little pay bump because of that. So, That's what's up. Yeah.
0: That's what's up. So, good news, on my end, um, not in my household, but my cousin, through marriage, is a new lawyer. He passed the Texas Bar. We all know him as Pete, but his name is Jeremy Sims, Esquire. Yeah. <laughs> gotta got add that ESQ on now. Esquire. Passed the bar, um, and he's an entertainment lawyer. So mm-hmm. yeah. shout, out, shout out to Pete. Uh I'm happy for him. Um he probably not listen to the podcast, but I'm gonna try to let him know that hey, I gave him a mention. So if y'all looking for someone who sings, raps, do whatever the case may be. Holla at J. Sims Esquire. That's all I got. <laughs> Love you, Ken, folks. All right, NBA news. So, Chef Curry. you all right I can about say that. Is, that boy has been cooking so good. Like, I'm like, like the, the last week and a half has been phenomenal. Like, and. You, and, and you can't say that oh well because he has his weapons around him. Clay Thompson not there. Clay Thompson is a missing piece as to why they're not a top four seed in the West. Um, so what he's done, this dude this shot fifty percent from the three point line. Just last night he dropped forty nine easily in Philly. Not West Philly, born and raised, where Will spent most of his days.
1: School um, not relax and relax about school and shoot sub be ball after school. Let me stop.
0: Um, <laughs> the Nets, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, are not looking like the team to beat in the East. Um because they their their triple threat or their three headed monsters that people like to say have only played seven games together. And it honestly in order for the Knicks to get to the Finals, it's going to be contingent on Kevin Durant being healthy. Period. If Kim Durant's not healthy, they ain't going. And, surprisingly, there's a culture change with the Knicks. Like, they're winning games. They're winning. Say what? Yeah, the Knicks are winning games. I believe there are four or five games over 500. But, what? Yeah. For the first time since... 2014, when Carmelo was there. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, they, they they have a coach in Tom Thibodeau.
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot. I forgot. That that was, that was their Bulls coach with Jalen Rose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And a uh, young Jimmy Buckets. Yeah. Um, He had a
1: team back then, too. I just wish the chemistry was better with that team. They could have won a couple of championships. Well, they, they,
0: they, didn't, they didn't have a go-to score with Derrick Rose getting hurt. Yeah. So... And I thought that Camilo Anthony should have signed with Chicago. That definitely would have tipped the scale. Oh yeah. But he's like, he signed with New York. But then when New York was eight and nineteen, he was like, I should have signed with Chicago. Too late.
1: Too late. Too bad. Big dummy.
0: All right, Jalen Suggs. Oh, I'm sorry. Before I get to that, the league is prepared for the results of the Derek Chauvin trial. They are prepared to postpone games and things like that if he's found not guilty. So be on the lookout for that. Um, Jalen Suggs, the freshman sensation from Gonzaga, declares for the draft. No surprise, he's probably gonna go go in the top three, easily, he was that good. Um, Antron Pippen, son of Scottie Pippen died at 33 from chronic um, asthma, very unfortunate. um, Rest in peace brother. Yeah. the Spurs were fined twenty five thousand for resting players, and you know what they did? They only beat the Suns by twenty six.
1: Wait. Okay. <laughs> okay. So they were fined.
0: They yeah. Uh, they were fined for resting players. They have the NBA has put a rule out for resting players or whatever the case may be. So if you violate that 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 rule that they have, you get fined. So.
1: So the players they rested
0: didn't, yeah. didn't play
1: and they got fined for it, but yeah. the team that was out there still beat the brakes off somebody. Yes. Talk about irony. Right. <laughs>
0: so also, who you think is gonna win the MVP? And I have two options. Because they're the clear-cut Free, And guess what? They're a big man. You got the Joker, and you got Joel and B. Who you think is gonna win the MVP?
1: Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Man. Because Djokovic has been putting up consistent numbers. And Joel Embiid has been putting up consistent numbers. I can't really just give you a dead answer because this is the first time I, you have, first time in a while where two big men are going to be MVP. Ain't no Steph Currys and little scooting about Chris Pauls no little scoot around guys. These ain't no these ain't no scoot around guys going for the MVP. This is yeah. these are fellas who, who come in and come in and come in hard. So if I have to say anything,
0: just
1: pick one. Uh, I always like the quiet type. So I had to go with Joel Embiid because Embiid he's, he he's oh, he's, he's, a, he's a quiet strong player.
0: I can guarantee he's not quiet.
1: Like, what I mean by quiet is... Oh,
0: he goes about his business? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. Like, he plays hard on the court. That's all you see. Yeah. And Jok- Jokov is the same way, but he tends to put his nose and be vocal about stuff when he needs to just shut up. But Joel B if I had to pick a choice, to would be him.
0: I would actually agree with you, only because the way MVP is the slated, like, your team has to be... The top seed in the conference, or at least close to it, and right now the the ers are leading the east. Um, and you know, it makes it better that they have Doc Rivers as their coach.
1: I forgot he went. This is how I, out of touch I am with some sports. I forgot he went over there. That's why they're looking decent.
0: Yeah. So, um, Mark Cuban and Luka Doncic do not. Like the play-in tournament that um, for the for the team. So basically, what's going on is if you're a seven seed or a ten seed, you have to have a play-in game in order to get in the playoffs to get one of the the seven to eight seeds. Mm-hmm. So they don't like it, but for me, I'm like, who cares? If if, if you don't like something, win games enough to bump up to the six
1: seed. There you go. That is why you're my brother. We can agree, disagree sometimes, but I agree fully on that. When I heard about the tournament in play, I was like, "Okay, this gives people to give gets get guys to scrap it out." You know, this gives one through ten. If you pass ten, you ain't getting in. You know, <laughs> it gives it gives the, the seventh through the tenth seed the opportunity to scrap it out. And who really wants those seeds?
0: Right, and so with that, it's like. And this is for the East and the West. But they don't like it because their team is, a, uh, the Mavericks, I believe, is a seventh seed right now. Well, that's not suck. Like, if you was
1: a fourth seed, you wouldn't complain.
0: Right. So, you're in that position because you just haven't been playing well. Um, so, LaMarcus Aldridge retires. Um, is he a Hall of Famer?
1: Not now, but later to pick,
0: yes. Definitely not a first ballot. No. I don't think he really is because in and, and, and this is from my perspective. Like he, he he put numbers up, right? He averaged twenty points a game, grabbed nine, maybe ten rebounds a game. And like he 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 was never really the guy on any team he's been on. No matter how you slice it, when he got drafted by Portland. He yeah, he had Brandon Roy and some of the veteran guys that came on. Then when Brandon Roy left, they got Dame Dollar. So you still wasn't the guy on the team. Yeah, he was putting up numbers, but when y'all beat the Rockets in 2014, who 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 was the who was the deciding factor? Dame Dollar. So then you go to San Antonio and you're still not the guy.
1: But do you really have to be the guy to be in the Hall of Fame?
0: Well, now they're just giving it away for the NBA, for that matter. No, I'm I'm just saying like the the, the way the Marcus Altius is hyped up, like.
1: And and I, and I and I and I get that hype, but to me, it's just me. I I don't I don't think he deserves a first ballot Hall of Fame, but he does deserve it because. They might have hyped the dude up, but to me, I feel like he played the perfect role player. He got into his role. He, you know, you see Martin LaMarcus Aldridge on the court, you're like, "Oh my God, it's LaMarcus Aldridge!" It wasn't nothing like that, but you know, if you if you, if you told him to play play to block the ball, keep play containment, he, he did he did his part. To me,
0: he was horrible on
1: defense. I did did I say anything about defense? I said play containment. I said, if you gave him directions, he followed him. Did he follow him to a hundred percent strong suit? No, he didn't.
0: No, because he <laughs> played defense.
1: But he was a guy that played a role, a good role.
0: He 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 reminds me like his his whole entire career was based on Kevin Durant playing in the finals against uh, the Miami Heat in twenty twelve. Yeah, he put numbers up, but it had no impact. That that that's my take on Lamarcus Aldridge. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that. How are we gonna
1: agree on one topic? Then the very next topic, we just bumping heads. I don't, I don't, I don't get this.
0: Hey, just, that, <laughs> that's just what happened. So, but I will, I will say this though. I do agree with Dane Dow. He did say that the Blazers should retire his jersey. I will say that. I'll give him that. Um, the NBA has came out and said that players who get vaccinated can travel a, uh, abroad, so they can be able to leave uh, wherever they are to go places and stuff like that because they're vaccinated. Now, I will say this. Just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you get to just like take off your mask and go back no. to doing normal stuff. No. Um, I will be fully, well, me and my wife will be fully vaccinated Saturday. And I'm still going to wear a mask to work. I'm going to wear a mask when I go to places and things like that. Shoot, e- even even when I play softball in the uh, softball league, I mean, I wear a mask. You know, I you know, like, if I'm out in the field, I don't I don't wear it because, you know, just because I have to do some sprinting. No, I take it back. I rephrase it. When I'm out in the field, I do wear it. But when I'm at bat, because, you know, when I get on base, you know, as I said when I get on base. Um, <clears throat> look at all these haters sweating me every day. Oh, hey, Steven, how you doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking on my haterade right now. Big old gallon of it. It's, it's delicious. It's orange-flavored. So, <laughs>
0: I would say to the players, like, don't just jump into, like, oh, I don't have to wear a mask because I'm vaccinated. Mm, pause, homie. So, free agency can, will start August 2nd, and teams can sign players on the 6th. Can't wait for free agency. Uh, also, D-Wade is part of the jazz, and what is the future for former players, former NBA players owning teams? What do you think?
1: It's a swing in a good direction. It the but the big contingency is you can be an owner, but can you manage? Can you sit up there and actually give input that's gonna make the organization better with you there? You know, prime example. Shirley <laughs> <Charlotte> Pumpkins. Uh <laughs> Jordan was a good businessman when it came to shoes and clothes and stuff, but Shirley <laughs> Pumpkins. Um it's trash.
0: Yeah, I don't honestly don't believe he's a good owner, but but at the same time, it's all about who you're hiring as well. Like like Charles Barkley said it years ago. I think Jordan has some yes men or yes women that, that 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 work up under him. So if Jordan said, "Hey, what you think about this?" Well, I think it's a good idea. If you think it's a good idea, or what you think about that? Well, if you don't think it's a good idea, I don't think it's a good idea. Can't do that. Like be honest, be upfront. Like some of that draft picks. Did they
1: draft Cormie Brown? I remember they drafted Emeka Okafor. That was
0: that wasn't a bad pick.
1: That wasn't that was a but, bad pick if they would have built around the guy. Yeah, that would have been, but but he had to work twice as hard. They lean right. to the injuries and
0: you draft Adam Morrison. That was horrible. But it's just as Mike Biyombo, trash. Um, so, Frank Kaminsky, trash. Trash. Um, just go on and on, and I'm saying trash by NBA standards, not trash by regular people standards. So, yeah, I, I think it'd be good. Um, I think it'd be good for any former NBA player to own own uh, whether it's an NBA team or another team. Shoot, Alex Rodriguez is um, is going to be a owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves and the league. So, that's that. So, quick question, Stephen. Shoot. Which player is the most dangerous when they're hot? I got some options for you. James Harden, Dame Dollar, KD, Curry, Kyrie, or Klay Thompson. Who you picking why?
1: You said the most dangerous person when they're hot.
0: Yeah. This is why they hot. This is why they I'm going
1: to be honest and say Mr. Thompson.
0: Man, see, that's why we are brothers. Here's why. I, look, I, people have tried to debate me on this. Oh, they say Steph Curry or Dame Dollar. I say Clay Thompson because he does not need the ball in his hand. All he, he has to do is keep running. See?
1: Because I've, I've watched Clay Thompson and... For some reason, and this this is just what I've seen from him prior to his injury. When he got hot, that spreaded like wildfires to everybody else. That ignited everybody else. Steph Curry could stay hot all game, and it don't spread. But the moment Clay Thompson, <laughs> I forgot who they was playing. They was playing somebody. Chicago. I'm guessing it was that game. They were playing somebody, and Clay Thompson hit two threes in a row. And then all of a sudden, it became a freaking shot fest for everybody. Everybody who got the ball from Clay was hitting buckets and buckets and buckets, and then Clay hit some more buckets and buckets and buckets. And I'm like, I, I don't even want to watch this no more. This is this is getting ridiculous. And that's when I realized, yeah, Clay's a dangerous man when he's hot. Like watching him score 37 points in a quarter, and watching him
0: score 62 points off 21 dribbles like he just got to catch and shoot.
1: Yep. And then he plays decent defense.
0: Yeah, he's he's a he's a top three two-way player. And you can argue that he's number one, two, or three, either or between him, Kowalin, and Paul George. Mm-hmm. So um NFL news. Mike Tomlin signs three year extension with the Steelers. It's great news. Let's hope they fix uh get rid of some of these old players. <laughs> Be respectful. Mm-hmm. He's a black coach. Um, Alex Smith announces retirement and players over the league giving him props. Um, I never thought he was a bust. I just thought he was good enough. I mean, everybody know the biggest bust at, at quarterback number one was Jamarcus Russell.
1: Now, let me. I'm, I'm going to come. This is. Alex Smith is one of the hills I down. Okay. And I'm going to say this. To me personally, Alex Smith would have been a great would have been the NFL great. and I'm, I'm, Let me explain. You played in San Francisco under 12 different coaches, and you was able to get into the playoffs three different times. Do you know the mental vitality you had to have to play under 12, 12 different coaches for one team, and still make your team playoff-bound at least? Do you know how mentally exhausting it is? And these 12 coaches – not one of them had the same system. It was twelve different systems, and you was able to adapt to that. That's one. Then you had that broken leg injury, which became a uh, infection, which almost killed you. And what what you say? You know what? I'm a heal, and you you stood out as long as you could to heal, and you still came back. And the team that the bad part about it, the team that picked you up, didn't really even want you as a quarterback but because they had such an idiot as a backup, they picked you up, and you still led their team to the playoffs. Like, and then it, it bothers me because I really think he has one more good year in him. And I say this, with, with, like I said, this is my heel to die on. Because the league is like, oh, well, he's been out too long. This is a, I'm like, the dude just not getting his win back. Let the guy get his win back. And he can show you what he can do. He's he's a capable quarterback. But he's been through so many systems. You have to give him a consistent system. And I bet you it would have got better with time. Just like folks don't understand. I praise Mahomes for what he did, what he taking the Chiefs to the Super Bowl. But you do realize almost 70% of that team that he took to the Super Bowl in the year that he took over was Alex Smith's team. Andy Reid, you know, Andy Reid is a, well, we're going to try this this week and we're going to try that next week type of coach. So he needs a young quarterback with a young mind. But Alex Smith was a guy who still was able to get the Chiefs, at least to the playoffs. He was your guy that got you to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, they just kept running into Tom Brady. But- exactly. <laughs> but how many people have ran into Tom Brady? Everybody. Everybody. So my take from Alex Smith is like, with, I'm in agreement with you, but everything you said, even with him being in the cheese, I think I think for him, he retired because, uh, and I, I explained it to you from my perspective, playing semi-pro football. So when I played semi-pro football, like my last two years, they weren't, I'm not going to say they weren't the best years, but definitely that last year um, was rough because you, you have to get in this mindset that you're going to give it a go for another year. You have to get into this mindset that Hey, I, I'm going to do this. So, as you're getting your mind to tell your body, hey, we're going to do this one more time, you got to get your body ready. And not saying you have to be NFL in shape ready, but you have to be in a regiment to where you know, you're playing. So, great, gratefully, nothing happened to me negatively for me playing. Like I said, I remember having two concussions and you know, I mean, it wasn't in that in that final year of me playing, but it's the having to get up the next morning. Do you have a need to get up to play? And I think for him, he he didn't want to have to get up and get into that mindset of taking hits and things like that. So that's understandable. He, he, right, he may have had another year in him, but to to give it up like it, it takes a lot. So these are the passions of the ba bu- 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 passions of Busby. <laughs> so Watson's attorneys have now been able to respond to the to the lawsuits, uh to the women that are claiming. So what me and Stephen discussed was that eight of the plaintiffs bragged about working with Deshaun Watson and praised him. Now I'm gonna now. I'm talking about the women that are following lawsuits. Seven of the plaintiffs were willing to work with him again after after the incidents, like after the alleged incidents. They still want to work with him. So you found a lawsuit on them, and you still want to work with them. How does that work? Then one of the women, of the alleged women, contacted Deshaun Watson multiple times, wanting. Saying that she was attracted to him and wanted to go out with him. Then you got three plaintiffs lied lied about the number of sessions they had with Deshaun Watson. Basically, these women. So so here's my take for the women who say that they willing to work with him again, even after these alleged incidents. So what are you so what are you really after?
1: Um. Then, just to add a little more information, you know more than half those women wasn't even licensed therapists.
0: Oh, I I wasn't even going to get to that. But but hold on, wait, 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 before you say that. Hey, Molly Karen, <laughs> now you got your explanation. You sure is mighty quiet, though. Oh, I ain't forgot about you. We're going to talk about you again in a few minutes, too. <laughs> so, I'm like, the seven women... Who filed a lawsuit on him are still willing to work with him. What are you really after?
1: That whole organization on the other end is trying to break this man and force him to play by breaking his pockets, like I explained in the previous session. This is all a this is all a business move. If they can take all his money away and force him to play, because if he sit out, he's still gonna make money. But if he sits out and he still got his contract, they still got to pay him anyway. So if he got all these lawsuits going that he got to pay out of pocket, he got to play to pay.
0: Yep. So, Alvin Smith has a warrant after a banner recharge in Louisiana. He just signed with the Seahawks. And I'm like...
1: Poe, Tink, Tink. That boy needs a psychological assessment. That's all I got to say about him.
0: Yep. Jadavion Clowney signs with the Browns. How is that defense going to look?
1: Nasty. They got somebody on the right. Now they got somebody on the left. Clowning to me was a bust his first year, the first couple years with the Texans. But I see that he's finally found some type of stride. Some type of stride. I'm not going to say he is at his best, but he has found some type of rhythm. When he was with the Seahawks, I saw that he had some type of rhythm. He, 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 He's learning the dance steps to me. That's what I'm looking at when I see him. He's learning the dance steps to me. And now he's with a young team that I'm not gonna lie, they have a very abiding defense when they're all healthy. Like, I look at the Browns now, I'm like, this is the Browns? Jesus Christ. Now when they're all healthy, they'll feed off each other and they give they'll give Clowner the room to be at his best. That's just me.
0: You can disagree. Definitely disagree because Clowney is only good for two and a half quarters. So hopefully the Browns are winning in them two and a half quarters, but they have a big enough lead to where that they're in good shape.
1: That's why that's why I say what I said. He's still trying to learn the dances. If he if he's only good for two and a half quarters, that's all you need because you still got them young bucks tearing up the field behind them
0: anyway. Yeah, but what happens in the ground of the fourth quarter?
1: Nine times out of ten. Bubba, he ain't
0: there. He's
1: not. He you're right. But listen, listen to me. Listen, Linda. Listen. By the time you get to the fourth quarter, if that defense stays cold and consistent, they will the out down the offense so damn bad. He don't need to be needed out there. I
0: agree. <laughs> However. <laughs> the, uh. We, guess we just got to wait and see. So, the Texans have a top 10 all-time list. And having a conversation with somebody about it, I mean, it's right. Do you have any other options? So, let me just run off the list. J.J. Watt, and this is in no particular order. So, J.J. Watt, Andre Johnson, DeAndre Mm -hmm. Hopkins, Deshaun Watson, Arian Foster, Dwayne Brown, Mario Williams, Brian Cushing, Matt Schaub, and Jonathan Joseph.
1: Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Mario Williams.
0: I mean, but how many options do you have? Like like who are the other options you can put as in the top ten? Like Mario. who do you like who do you take out and put somebody in? <laughs>
1: Mario Williams. <laughs> well what's that boy name? He don't play with them no more, but he plays uh safety for um, Detroit.
0: Uh Quandre did not Quandre Diggs. Uh uh-uh. uh, um, he was a Some of the safety. Yeah. Oh, I know you're talking about.
1: Gosh,
0: um, uh, what is his name? I know. I know he made a stupid play for him. Yes. Jaguars. I remember that. Uh, not this. Wilber Quinn.
1: There we go. I'd have put him in there. Right. Cause
0: shoot, I put Owen Daniels.
1: He. Why did they let go of him? He was a he was a great blocker. He was a good receiving uh tight
0: end.
1: That was dumb. But Glover Quinn, I'd have put him ahead of Mario Williams. Cause he, he he did one he did one mistake. One mistake and that was with the Jaguars. That was
0: hilarious.
1: That that you supposed to bat the ball down, you don't tip it in the hell. you bat it down. Nah. He
0: he did right, he batted it down. It just happened (laughs) someone from the Jaguars caught
1: it. Right? But anyway, but other than that, he played – you couldn't really play him one-on-one. You really – you couldn't – he could play one-on-one defense. He was a good guy. Mario Williams, I just – I didn't think they should have drafted him either. No. I
0: didn't think they should have drafted him. They just got Khalil Mack. Oh,
1: that's what I was hoping for. Yeah.
0: So, Molly Karam.
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: gave Jake Paul about 30 seconds of his sexual assault charge with no explanation. So, I'm trying to figure out, like, you came up to Deshaun Watson so hard about these allegedly lawsuits, but you, you, Jake Paul, like 30 seconds. Yeah. Speaking of Jake Paul, I would like to see him fight Edgar Belonga. Like, you fight these people who are not real boxers. And fight a real boxer. Fight, go, go go fight Bud Crawford. Oh, yeah, you can't fight Bud Crawford. You, Your paper ain't long enough. Just go fight Edgar Belonga.
1: It's, it's crazy because I said sitting up there and I was watching the uh, – I was looking at the fight. I, I really didn't look at the fight. like at at the alpha effect. And I say I'm looking at everybody fault. These
0: Nate Robinson
1: terrible, because you only contacted him within what six to eight weeks at about. So he really didn't have enough. He he came in then trying to fight street style. He got his his face handed to him.
0: He's still trying
1: to wake up. Yeah, they still doing the Nate Robinson challenge. When I saw that, I say, and there goes the confidence of black people out the window. Because the way he hit that dude, I'm sorry. Like, matter of
0: fact, go fight Mike Tyson and
1: do that. No, he ain't going to do that. Because he, he, cause even Roy Jones, after they fight, because I saw the, the Jones-Tyson fight, Roy Jones was like, he still got it. <laughs> I, I was going I was...
0: Right. <laughs> but. Like, like Logan, I mean, not, not, is it Logan Paul? No, Jake Paul. Jake, Jake Paul. Yeah, Jake Paul, go, 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 go fight somebody real. Go
1: fight a real boxer. Yeah, I'm like, his, his three matches was for some people that were weak. Or they really didn't have no boxer experience. Exactly. Fight a real boxer, bro. And because everybody be like, yeah, he go." Cause I Because I was like, he picked Ben Askren. Now, if it was a UFC match, Ben Askren would have broke his, broke his head in. But you were asking somebody who's typically a ground and pound fighter who had a week of boxing game from right. the jump to fight.
0: Right. You know, and then uh, that was talk about him fighting Daniel Cormier. Dan, Daniel Cormier is not going to waste his time with a riffraff. No. Um, MLB News, I don't know if you knew, but your White Sox, pitcher Rondon, threw a no-hitter. Yeah. It was almost a perfect game, but he hit a batter.
1: Oh. It
0: was still a no-hitter.
1: But somebody still got hit. <laughs> no, no, no the,
0: the, the, I mean, a perfect game is when no one gets on base.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, but yeah. But he he hit somebody. Yeah. Hit by pitch. It was no hitter until somebody got hit. No,
0: no, no, it's still a no hitter. No, he got no he's still a no hitter.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, but oh,
0: but he still got hit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Brian Cashman of the Yankees is not worried about the Yankees slow start. They're five and ten. I think they're in the last place in the, yeah. Money, money came by ring.
1: Okay, I'm gonna be honest. If they lose the next five games, I would be concerned. be concerned. They
0: played one hundred and sixty-two
1: games. Yeah, but Literally. see, but and and you know, you're right. But you you need to hit to me, and this is me. You need to hit a certain stride. Like, like I'm not saying they need to win the next five games, but the next five games to try to set a um um some momentum to them. Because if you if you're stuck in a negative frame of momentum how long would it take for you to recover? Yep. So, the next five games, to me, they need to build up that momentum and see where they, where they club is going, period. And if they need to make the adjustments or release some people or hire some people or fire some people.
0: They're not releasing nobody. They paying them like, uh, they're paying them billions of dollars. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, the Dodgers, whoop, whoop, uh. currently have the best record right now. At thirteen and four, be respectful. What team has the potential of slowing them down?
1: It's the beginning of the season. Nobody.
0: I, I honestly think it probably could be the Braves. They get their stuff together. The Braves have a young team. A young.
1: We'll see when the games hit eighty games, because because the thing is, the Dodgers have a strong, consistent team. But I what I've realized in baseball these last six years. It's these young hungry motherfuckers that like right before the halfway mark of the season, right before the All-Star game. I don't know what's in the juice or in the water they drinking or the baths they're taking.
0: It's summertime, so.
1: Yeah, I, whatever go. Who, if they meet the folk in Miami, I don't know. But.
0: <laughs> Not in
1: Miami. I'm just saying because I'm looking at these last teams that won World Series in. I'm older than most of the kids on the dang team. I'm almost 40. Half of these kids winning these these World Series is 26, 27, 22, 25, 28. Bruh. <laughs> what is y'all drinking? What is y'all eating?
0: Well, chicks dig the long ball, so they're hitting home runs. They do what they're supposed to do. Um, rest in peace to the great Hank Aaron. Yeah. That, um, he, I guess if I was around during that time, I probably hadn't, um, have better knowledge of him. Uh, I mean, I know who he is. He, he was the longest home run king until 2003. It was mm-hmm. when Barry Buns came and beat, uh, surpassed him.
1: Put an asterisk by there. Those boys are all them roids.
0: Nope, I'm not putting an asterisk by it. You want to know why? Why? Because as a hitter, if you. If you like it on a location, pitch a location, and you swing with all your might, you're going to hit the ball 400 feet. And it just so happened that Barry Bonds played in a stadium where their, their, their right field porch, although it was tall, it was short. Mm-hmm. He was able to hit home runs. And from what I've seen, him and Ken Griffey Jr. have natural home run swings. Yeah. So that's my take on that. Um, Chet Holmgren, number one high school recru- recruit, sounds for Gonzaga. Um, my thoughts is need to get in the weight room. He looked like a tall olive oil.
1: Yeah, I, 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 but I saw that headline. I looked him up. The boy, the boy. I don't know if he needs steak or beef. I mean, pork or chicken. He needs something.
0: He needs a lot of protein. He needs to beef up like before the season starts
1: because because he mm to that, yeah. b- um, that baby ain't going to make it.
0: Duke adds another big man to transfer from Marquette. Let's see who stays. I know they got some players coming in. Also, Creighton has lost another player to transfer because of the remarks by Coach McDermott. Um, so, got a what if. Uh, what if Michael Vick didn't go to jail? RG3 didn't get hurt. Seahawks. What if they ran the ball? D. Rose didn't get hurt. If Sean Taylor didn't get killed, and if Mike Tyson didn't go to jail, what is the biggest "what if"? That if if it didn't happen, what would their career look like? Or I am I even, th- even throw another one there. What if Bo Jackson doesn't get hurt?
1: See, had you had you just kept that right there civilly
0: where you was before you throw Bo Jackson
1: in there. See, I actually had a. Frame him, mind On one of those over there.
0: All right, well, just say
1: them first, and then, we'll, <laughs> then we'll, we'll talk about Bo Jackson. We'll talk about Bo Jackson next week. Okay. Um, but in reference, I'm I'm gonna be honest. Bo Jackson get what's the name of it? Bo Jackson get hurt. I he he he'll be the only NFL, and MLB player with rings okay. for real. Oh yeah,
0: he he would have shattered the Russian record.
1: Yeah, he, he would have, sh- and the way he played baseball, he'd have broke some records. Then now that's all I see about that. But back to those choices you gave, um, the biggest threat to all of those what-ifs would have to be, and it sits on my chest heavily, if they let Marshawn Lynch running run into the end zone at the two-yard line. Because if you watch the entire Super Bowl game, he was averaging eight yards a carry, which means he was blowing through the defense, which means this would have been a walk in the park for him when they did the play. And I look at it over and over again to this very day. I'm not even a Seahawks fan, but I'm looking at this vehemently trying to piece together, and I'm going to just put my conspiracy theory out there and say Russell Wilson was bought out. But when they ran the play, Marshawn Lynch looked dead at Pete Carroll's face and said, what are you doing?
0: Not only that, he had just got four yards on the previous play.
1: To get them the first down. Then watch this, the play before that, Russell Wilson throws a ball, and your boy caught it off his helmet, just like your boy did for the Giants. So I'm trying to piece together the momentum for it all to fall like that. So, again, right after that play happened, where he caught the ball and Marshall Lynch ran for four yards, right in between there, if you notice, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson are looking at each other, And Russell's giving him some type of signal. I still don't know what the signal is. They didn't have him mic'd up at the time. So, yeah. Mm. Don't know what they was talking about. And then I see Marsha Linsky's bothered by that comment. And then there goes the retarded play that led to Malcolm Brown uh, career getting expedited. And he's becoming this great free safety, which he's mediocre at best. Because after that, you really don't hear nothing from him.
0: Well, Malcolm Brown? Yeah. Well,
1: he's been the two. He's been the two different teams since then.
0: Yeah, um, I agree. Give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, but you know, like like we talked about earlier, um, they wanted Russell Wilson to get the glory, not Marshawn Lynch. If Russell
1: wanted the glory so bad, they could have did a uh, play, uh, play option that'll run to the outside and run it in. Exactly. We so, going about this all day, but let me be quiet. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> who do you believe, in your opinion? What's the best low post player in Hakeem, Elijah One or Tim Duncan?
1: What is with you with these questions, man? I can't.
0: I'm just asking. God
1: bless it. <laughs> you really be eating your Raisin Bran, sir. Um, and I don't even eat Raisin Bran. Golly. Because I love the Dream Shake.
0: If you say Tim Duncan, get out of my house.
1: No, that, that's why it's difficult because... Tim Duncan had the best fundamentals of a center to play the post game. He had the best fundamentals, but Hakeem had the best swagger when he came in. When you knew he was in the post, you knew you had to be guarded up. You knew, you knew that he has a li- unlimited arsenal of things he can do to get that ball into the hoop. Now, if we going on technical prowess, I would say Tim Duncan, but if we just going on swag sauce, listen to me, listen to me, brother. If we, that's why I say it's a difficult question, because you talk about two different people with two different flavors of the game. Now, if you talk about straight swag sauce, who's who? who I would, I, I wouldn't want to face Hakeem in the post because of how he carried himself in the post, but I'm because not
0: basing it on any swag sauce, it is a foregone conclusion on who to choose. <laughs>
1: Okay, now listen to me. Now, like I said, Tim Duncan had the fundamentals. Understanding somebody with strong fundamentals, you can you can interrupt that game. Like 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 I said, I'm giving you breakdowns, so you can just see from my view why it's a difficult decision. But I'm I'm going to tell you, in my to me in my on my end, it's going to be a king. But Tim Duncan also had his attributes too that made him a strong suit. But he also had things about his set that Hakeem wouldn't do. First of all, Hakeem, if you, if if Hakeem is in the low post and he sees a double team coming, within seconds he's either shooting that ball in or he's kicking the ball out. There have been days where I've seen Tim Duncan plenty of time be in the post and was still trying to make the shot being doubled and triple teamed, which is stupid. So, again, technical prowess, on technicality, on te- on technical fundamentals, I would say big fundamental. But just on swag sauce, when I say swag sauce, you know what you against, and ain't nothing you can do to stop it. I'm gonna say Hakeem all day. So, in essence, my final answer would be Hakeem one. sir. After all of that, I should have I should have got
0: my harmonica.
1: <laughs> you know what? <laughs>
0: Um, for me, it was an easy choice. Um, had to say Elijah one because of what he did in the post. Like, he he always had option A through Z that you couldn't stop. Whereas, yes, Tim Duncan was was the big fundamental. He 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 he'll, he'll beat you with being basic, but it worked, right? But Elijah one's just like like. I'm pretty sure David Robinson is so happy that he never not have to face Elijah 1 anymore.
1: And that's exactly what I'm talking about. The The, the presence of Elijah 1 will overshadow the presence of Tim Duncan, but I can't not say, oh, automatic Hakeem. Because the way. Be respectful. No, no. Nigerian <laughs> No. <laughs> My bad. But you just can't. I'm not saying you can't. You are willing to choose, but I, I, when I see Tim Duncan, I see how I was when I played ball. I was very. I when I played for Wheatley for the, that year, I was. I played fundamentally. I grabbed the ball. I shot the ball. I didn't let the ball get stolen. I played defense when I needed to, and I made the contributions to that team like I needed First to. First
0: off, when you playing for Willie, you always had to play defense. It was no not when you needed to. You I had to play defense.
1: You know what? See, I ain't, I ain't trying to be, I ain't trying to be technical with you, sir. But you know what? You know where I'm coming from. But and so I can't sit up there and just say no, Hakeem all day because I couldn't pull off what a pulled off. I mean, that's why I see. That's why I see he got sway. He got sauce that no other center can really pull off. Hakeem uh, had an unlimited arsenal of. To me, he had better court vision, and. When you, when you apply that to your aspects of sports every day like he did, he was a bad man. He will always be a bad man.
0: So, final thought. Um, there's an attack on black men, or blacks in general, I should say, but especially the black men. Because we are a threat to change. We are a threat to culture. We are a threat to regression we're a threat to anything that you can possibly think of because we taken over because we were created first we were never made to be inferior to anyone we we're always made we were, we were created to be great so i'm saying that to say
1: we are great
0: yeah that's true we are great <laughs> we are pretty awesome But we, as black men, as black fathers, have to teach our sons how to walk uprightly. And regardless of what the world says, you know, there's something that's inside of you that no one can take away. You just have to be willing to put the work in. So, to my black men that's out there that's listening, look, you have the power and ability to do anything you put your mind to because of who your creator is. Period. Regardless of what the world says, regardless of the character, regardless of, I mean, that character, the culture says, you, you you were built different. You were made to stand out. You were never made to blend in. So stand out. Not like a sore thumb, but like a, a king that you are. Like I always say, the song or the music that we play, we don't own the rights to it. But the song you heard today was Sweet Victory by Triple E. Sweet Victory! Hooray! A sweet chicken wings. <laughs> I'm playing, y'all. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> this your boy, Daydream.
1: And your boy, Steven. And this is the Couch Potato Podcast. And until next time, peace! peace.